0: Welcome back to the G3 Podcast. Joining me today is my friend, Tom Buck, who is a pastor who serves as the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lindale, Texas. And so it is a privilege to have Tom Buck with us today. So welcome to the podcast, Tom.
1: It's great to be here. Thanks for having me today.
0: Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about uh, your background. Uh, Start with the context of where you served there in Texas and give us an idea how long you've served there as pastor, and, and how long you've served as a pastor in general, just as, a, as we think about the context of your entire ministry.
1: Well, I've served as a senior pastor for 26 years. This is my 14th year here in Lindell. I pastored for 12 years prior to that uh, near Tampa, Florida area, and so uh, I'm thankful the Lord's given me this many years of ministry, and it's a, it's a blessing.
0: Well, as we think through the issues of preaching, um, we want to have a conversation today about expository preaching. And before we do so, again, just uh, for those who might be watching this or listening to this podcast, we want to make sure that everyone knows why it is that we do what we do. And as we think about the local church and our commitment from day one within uh, G3 Ministries has been to be an encouragement to pastors, to be an encouragement to the local church as a whole. And one of the greatest ways that we can do that is in how we uh, help encourage pastors, because as the pulpit goes, so goes the church. And as we think about that very statement, one of the goals for G3 would be to help the health of the local church. And so we're, we're putting a, a key emphasis, if you will, on the pulpit moving forward with these expository preaching workshops and key relationships like with Dr. MacArthur's ministries and uh, the Master's Seminary. We want to make sure that we are pointing people to trustworthy organizations and institutions. Uh, but sometime back, I was preaching in a conference and you and I were able to visit together and we had already uh, had a a friendship, but yet at that moment, we, uh, in our conversation throughout that conference, we were able to talk about goals for the future and the need for healthy churches and the need for uh, healthy pastors, quite frankly. And it was in that conversation that we started the dreaming process, if you will, of developing these workshops for local churches and local church pastors. So, It's a privilege now to see that coming to fulfillment, and as we think through our goals for the future, uh, we want to have a conversation today about the subject of preaching and when we talk about expository preaching. Sometimes people uh, that aren't really in the preaching world, they they really might not understand what that means. So if you could, just as we begin, give us a, a bit of a definition, if you will, on what expository preaching actually is.
1: I'd be glad to do that because I do think there's confusion. I think some people, when they hear expository preaching, what they think is consecutive preaching, for example, preaching through books of the Bible, that certainly I think is the best way to do expository preaching, but that many people preach consecutively through the the Bible that don't do expository preaching. So in a a nutshell, expository preaching is uh, simply that the point, we want to know what the point of the text is, that is what becomes the point of the sermon. Now, again, I think expository preaching, if it's going to be effective, it's got to be a little broader than that. So I studied uh, and did my um, doctoral work at at Southern Seminary regarding this. I went to the book of Hebrews and looked at how uh, what I believe there is sermonic uh, literature, how that particular preacher used the word of God. And so in doing that, I took uh, the definitions. Uh, in, in my uh, uh, thesis work to take the definitions that others have used, whether it be Haddon Robinson or uh, Chapel or, or whomever, and then try to, to come up with the best definition I could from looking at scripture. So here's what I understand expository preaching to be. Expository preaching, first of all, it discovers the point of a biblical text. That's where it always begins. The point of the text has to be discovered, and that's a process, an exegetical process. That's what our workshops help people with then it takes that and it makes that the central point of the sermon. So whatever the sermon, central point of the sermon is, needs to be exactly what this, uh, the point of the biblical text is. Then you must declare that truth in a way that listeners can understand. So it's not preaching if it's not reached uh, to the people. So uh, a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. So we need to be able to communicate it clearly. Then lastly, Application. A lot of people think that expository preaching isn't is an application. It requires it because you see in scripture it's always applied. So it makes application to their lives that is rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So it, let me say that in one sentence then. Expository preaching discovers the point of a biblical text, makes it the central point of the sermon, declares that truth in a way that the listeners can understand, and makes application to their lives that is rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ.
0: Really good. So, when we think through the subject of preaching and and the topic of preaching, when we talk about hermeneutics, we talk about the science of biblical interpretation, when we think about, you know, certain definitions that have come our way through the years in the preaching world, like Christocentric preaching, for instance. Mm Well. I think it's extremely important to put Jesus at the center of our preaching. He must be central. We must preach Him, right? But there is a way uh, that this Christocentric model has uh, caused problems in 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 the past. If we think through the issues of maybe just opening any text of Scripture and pointing to it and saying, "Well, this is talking about Jesus," that's not actually true. And so, there's one single meaning to every text yet there are many different applications. And so between two worlds, if we're thinking like the ancient context versus the modern context, we need to bridge the gap. Well, we do that through application, right? So talk to us about how, you know, preachers need to really guard the single meaning without changing that meaning when they're using application to bring it to the modern context.
1: That's a great point Josh because uh, I am thankful that there are people talking about Christ-centered preaching. The problem that comes is when we try to think that you know we're trying to uh, find Christ centered rock. I think in one of the writings I said it's it's like where's Waldo? Where's Jesus in the Old Testament that people go looking for. That's not helpful at all. I heard one bad example of that where uh, a person whom we would all know if I mentioned their name was saying the expository preaching is finding Christ. They talked about Solomon's wisdom and the two women who Uh, Were battling over the child, and and they said, "Well, where Christ is found, they didn't go to the wisdom aspect of King Solomon, which is the the most natural connection. They went to the woman who was willing to give up her child uh, for the sake to save their lives. Said that's where Jesus is. That's bad uh, 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 preaching because that's not the point of the text. It's not about a woman being willing to sacrifice. So what we have to do is, I think, look at like what the Hebrews writer did. That's what helped me so much in making this definition." that we get the point of the text. Hebrew writer does that. He uses um, a psalm in, uh, in, the bo- in the book of Hebrews that's not even a messianic psalm, but then he applies it through understanding the person and work of Jesus. So that's why I say rooted in the person and work. So you think it may, be, uh, may best, best be understood through the crucifixion of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the ascension, his work now, mediatorial work at the right hand of the Father. So we need to say in this point of the sermon, how can we best apply this in our understanding of of the person and work of Christ? How does Christ make this possible for us through what he accomplished on the cross? So there's a variety of ways you do that rather than this kind of flat way of doing it or find Waldo approach of the Old Testament.
0: Yeah, so more to that issue. When we think of uh, just current landscape of evangelicalism and you're seeing a whole lot of social justice talk and although that's not certainly the topic of this conversation, we can certainly use that as an an example of what we're trying to guard against when it comes to preaching methodology. So for instance, when we have people that are saying, well, we need to read the text of Scripture through a certain lens, like say, for instance, this idea of standpoint epistemology. Standpoint epistemology states that certain minority groups or underprivileged groups or Or classes of people, or whatever, they have a greater and higher value to offer when uh, reading the Bible because they read from and through the lens of their own experience. And so uh, when we hear that sort of language, we should be very cautious because of the fact that, you know, that type of reading of the Bible is actually reading the Bible backwards. You're reading into the text, your own experience rather than allowing the text of Scripture to take priority and then reading your life through the lens of the Bible. So talk to us about the danger of that type of reading.
1: Yeah, I think some people may hear this and say, well, why are they talking about things like social justice? Because that's a current framework in our culture. And so I'm hearing people say a Latino hermeneutic or an African-American hermeneutic. And then when we talk about the historical grammatical method, they'll say, well, that's just your white... way of doing things. And that's just not true at all. Uh, What we have to understand is if there is a standpoint at which we begin, it's the standpoint of the original author. The Holy Spirit inspired the uh, writer of of scripture who had uh, an original author, original context, original audience. And so we want to hear this not from what Tom Buck's framework is from East East Tennessee growing up as a hillbilly, which is what I did up in that area, but what we're saying is, is let's understand what this meant in that day. In fact, I cannot bring it to now until I first understand what it meant then. It can never mean now uh, what it never meant. And so we need to say, let's go back, study the word of God, understand what it meant in its original context, not an African context, an Eastern Tennessee context, a Latino context or any other white context, but to be understood in the original context, Context and that's one of the things we do in the workshop. We warn you about bringing your frameworks in. Also, can be theological frameworks. So I went to dispensational schools. They are very classically known for reading their framework into the text, and that is dangerous. No matter what your theological viewpoint is, you must set your framework aside. Let the Word of God rule and be king, and then that will either correct your framework or reinforce your framework. But we have to set frameworks aside.
0: Yeah, so when we think through the the issues of preaching and biblical interpretation, I mean, one grand example for us to look to would be to the way that Jesus handled Scripture. Uh, he wasn't interested when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount to say, "Let's read this through a certain type of lens or a cultural lens." He was just saying, "This is what you've heard that, that you know that the Word of God says, or that this is how the rabbis have been teaching you, but here's what." God's Word actually says. So he was just driving people back to the original meaning of that text of Scripture, which is crucial. Now, for me, one of the most helpful books uh, that, that I've read on preaching that helps guard against uh, a faulty way of, of misreading the Bible or, or reading the Bible backwards, you might say, has been Walt Kaiser's book, Toward an Exegetical Theology and there are many other books that we could recommend on preaching. So just out of curiosity, what are some books that maybe you would recommend to men who are trying to sharpen their skill uh, in expository preaching?
1: Well, you know, even when I uh, sat down to write uh, my my thesis, I I went back to the the foundation. So I would encourage guys to go back to foundational books. Uh, like Stott's Between Two Worlds. Uh, You you need to read that if you haven't. And uh, as well, I would say Lloyd-Jones, Preaching and Preachers. Again, I'm not saying that both of those books are the quintessential book on expository preaching, but they certainly are foundational, uh, even if we don't take everything from them. I say you need to read those for sure. To get a theological perspective, Perform Preaching by Joel Beakey, I would recommend as well. Uh, those are some good books to, to read through just to begin the process of understanding how we should be thinking about expository preaching generally.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when we think through the issue of of expository preaching and this idea of rightly handling the Word of God... What are some goals that you have in these workshops in general, Tom? So again, you're passionate about expository preaching. We have goals within G3 Ministries to do things with excellence and yet to be an encouragement to the local church. So what would you say are some of the reasons that you're excited about these workshops?
1: Well, I'm excited because it's going to help guys uh, do what God's called them to do better. So if we think about what scripture says in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says that we're to uh, rightly divide the word. Uh, literally, we could translate that cutting it straight. So I think a lot of times you have a couple of categories I will keep up here. One is maybe bivocational pastors or pastors that came out of seminary, even like me. I learned more by going to, to workshops 10 years ago when I began doing that to practice those uh, exegetical skills in the setting that we do uh, in small group and so forth better than I even did in seminary. And guys are bivocational that have never had seminary can come and learn how to do that. But in addition to that, as we're preaching God's word, we can become dull uh, our exegetical saws, if you will, can become dull and we, we're not cutting it as straight as we used to. And so these workshops help hone the skills of guys uh, that already know how to do it, train guys that maybe are, that need to learn how to do it, equip all of us to, to do it better. So the first thing I would say is it must be done. We wanna help guys understand it must be done. There's no other form of preaching that honors the word of God than saying what God has said. Then we wanna show them it can be done. And so we take them through and teach them the process of that and the exegetical skills that they need and the tools that they're gonna need for that. And uh, then we show them how to, to do it uh, in the small group setting. So this is not a this is not a conference. This is where you, and conferences are good. We have a G3 conference. You come and get fed. But this is hands-on where you learn how to handle God's word rightly. And I'm excited that we're wanting to do that as G3. So we're not just only platforming guys at our conference that do it well. We're training and equipping men to go back to their pulpits to feed their sheep well.
0: Yeah. Back in 2009, Ed Stetzer interviewed Andy Stanley and it was in that interview that Andy Stanley made a comment. He said that expository preaching or verse-by-verse preaching is cheating. Um, Well, again, he went on to say uh, much more than just that. He actually went on to say that when he thinks about preaching, he looks, instead of thinking about just being so focused on the text, he actually wants to look at his context or he wants to look at at his audience, and sense what their felt needs might be, and then how he can meet those needs through preaching. And so what would you say to that that idea, that that philosophy of approaching the Bible as far as a pulpit model? Well,
1: it's interesting because I actually had a conversation with Andy about that uh, privately in direct message. Uh, and what he means by that, which I still don't agree, is by cheating is that, you know, it doesn't require any level of creativity, doesn't require you to have to examine what your audience's needs are. Uh, you just go verse by verse every week and, and you don't even have to think about it. Well, that's that's uh, not, a, somebody would say that really doesn't understand the hard work of expositional preaching. And if there's no greater need that our people have than to feed them the word of God, thus saith the Lord, we have no right to say to our people what God hasn't said. And so there's a lot of creativity going on in the pulpits that God's not going to honor whatsoever. It also feeds the heart of the shepherd because when I'm hearing what God has to say to me, then I'm able to turn around and they say, here's what God has said. It allows you to say it with authority. So I would much rather stand up and let God, who knows uh, our people better than anybody, he created them. Uh, we think times have changed. If You read the Bible, you can see times haven't changed. People haven't changed. People are still the same fallen creatures who need the grace of God and to hear the word of God. And if I think that my creativity is more relevant than what God has said consistently through his word, I am in error. So we need to just preach the word, be faithful to do that week in and week out.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And you mentioned, again, this idea of feeding the sheep and and, uh, uh, shepherding souls. When we think through the, the calling of a pastor, we think about Jesus's words to Peter when he said, feed my sheep. And so our job as a pastor is to, it's not to be an entertainer. It's not to be some sort of, you know, leather couch or leather sofa psychologist or psychiatrist or anything else. We're not to be men who approach uh, the pulpit with this political motivation or anything else. We are to be men who rightly divide the word of truth and feed God's sheep, recognizing that we have zero authority outside of the Scriptures. We are to say, thus says the Lord God, and then, and then allow for people to submit themselves to the calling of the Christian life, the pursuit of holiness, Yes, we are to hold people accountable as pastors through church discipline, but yet every time we turn around, whether it's the weekly preaching, pastoral counseling, church discipline, we're doing what? We're going back to what? The authority of the text. So it would do us well to understand how to rightly handle the Word of God so that we can make application in all of these various spheres within the ministry of the local church.
1: Yeah, something's going to be driving our preaching. It's either going to be the culture driving their preaching or the ideas of the preacher that come from the preacher's mind now how can the only way to guard myself from knowing the culture's not driving me or the ideas of my own mind are not driving me is to commit myself to a, fa- a faithful study of God's word that carefully understands what God has said so that I can stand and know with confidence with good confidence. But I'm saying what God has said, not my own ideas or the culture. This to me is invaluable to preachers because you're going to stand before the Lord someday, give an account for everything that you've said behind that pulpit. And this is why Paul charges Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 that, hey, God is watching. You're going to stand someday before him. You better preach the word in season and out of season. Culture is going to change. The word of God is consistent. That's why we need to preach expositorily
0: yeah absolutely. Well, as we think about this pandemic, we think about you know we have as pastors, we have had to make all sorts of uh, transitions, and we've had to make all sorts of of decisions, quite frankly, on how we are to best minister to the church through this time of this social distancing season. And we've been very much grateful for technology. Technology is a wonderful thing, right? But yet it's a bridge. Uh, it's bridging this gap until we can gather back together on a normative basis, but yet through this pandemic, we've also learned that it's going to be necessary for us to make some, some very difficult decisions and some transitions and some modifications to various different ministry plans, and some of those plans we've been very excited about, like these, this entire schedule for the G3 workshops, but yet for... Uh, the sake of wisdom and for the care of people, it's going to be best that we make some of these transitions, especially as it pertains to the the upcoming workshop in June. So, Tom, why don't you give us a little bit of a preview as to what this workshop is going to be in June, where it's going to be located, and then talk to us about uh, some exciting opportunities for people to dive into this modified version through this virtual landscape.
1: Well, I realized about three or four weeks ago that the workshop, in-person workshop here in Lindale was going to be in jeopardy. Uh, Even as I talked with Vody, his ability to get here, he would have to quarantine for a couple of weeks and then do the workshop and quarantine afterwards. So it just was, we realized something was going to have to be talked about. We talked about possibly moving it, but that would be uh, probably, you know, nine months to a year away to to move our workshop. What I did not wanna do is just do something haphazard. One of the things I appreciate about G3 Ministries is that our goal is not making money on these workshops. Our goal is providing resources at a right at level cost of what it takes for us to do this to train guys well. So um, I came up with the idea and I talked with you several weeks ago about this, Josh, Of hey, let's do a virtual workshop, but by uh, using Zoom for that. But here were the keys. It had to be the same quality as far as instruction goes, and what people are going to receive when they take the workshop. So I wanted to make sure the guys could still do their exegetical worksheets. I want to make sure that they're going to get the same resources, which they are. They'll get the G3 Expository uh, Workshop workbook, just like they got in Atlanta, we get when the in-person workshop. They'll also receive uh, the gifted book from PNR Publishing. So they're gonna get everything there. Then they're gonna get the same level instruction. will will be joining us. Uh, via Zoom. Uh, we'll be having a little bit earlier in the day, spread over four days, so it won't be two full days, but then got, pastors can schedule this into their already busy schedule, calendar it in, and be a part of those uh, total of 12 hours over four days. Uh, they'll have a small group time that's led by the same trained leaders that I had in Atlanta. It'll be uh, led by Vodi and me via Zoom. We'll have time for A. All of those things uh, will be available as well. So they're going to get that same level of quality, and we're going to do $30 for the workshop. And we're doing that because we want to bless guys right now who are struggling in ministry. It'll open up so guys can do it even worldwide because uh, it'll go from, uh, if you're on the West Coast, you'll start at 6.30 a.m. You still could be a part of it. If you're in Europe or Africa, it'll be sometime in the afternoon and end around five, 5, between 5 and 6 p.m. their time. So it's easy for people around the world to get involved in this. And if somebody becomes a part of this workshop or joins this workshop and participates, we're going to give them a credit towards a future in-person workshop. So this is, an, I believe, an unbelievable blessing because it's going to give guys an opportunity to get a taste of what a workshop's like uh, it, and, uh, they'll make them even more excited, I think, to be at an in-person workshop in the future.
0: Tom, talk to us a little bit about, uh, the goal of these workshops. So obviously we know the goal is to help people be able to sharpen their saw, to be able to engage in rightly handling the word of God so that they can understand the importance of standing and feeding God's sheep. But, uh, who's the target audience? So is it someone, say, say someone has plenty of uh, formal education, is this workshop for them as well, or is it just for someone that maybe is a bivocational pastor and has limited education experience?
1: Well, here's what Paul said to Timothy, and I think this is so helpful. He said, let your progress, when he was talking about studying the Word of God and preaching the Word of God, let your progress be known to all men, be visible to them. So that's what the workshops are about. It's about progressing. So it doesn't matter whether you're at the starting gate or you uh, have been running this race of preaching for a long time, you're gonna grow. Like I said, the sharpening the saw, you stop and you sharpen your saw and you get those skills better. The sharper your saw, the better you do at cutting. I mean, that's just a known fact. The same thing is with our preaching. So if you've never preached an expository sermon in your life, you're gonna love this workshop because it's gonna help you make progress. If you have been preaching for years, you're going to make progress. And that's what I think my goal is as a pastor, is I want to better handle the word of God next year than I do this year. And so we will, everybody's on a level playing field. We have the the goal of the instructions we give that are helpful. Uh, Vody's going to do one on expository apologetics, which is going to be fantastic. And then in our small groups, we have worksheets that we use. And the guys go through the process of beginning, going from the original context to moving through what is the structure of the passage so that we can help them bring them to the point that they get the uh, main proposition of the text, the main point of the text. And so we're all working together, different levels, different uh, on the road of running at different paths of that or along the road, but we're all gonna be growing. It doesn't matter where you are. And if you have more knowledge, that's great. You're gonna be a useful tool in those in the small groups to help other guys. One last thing, we do try to make the small groups to where uh, there's a, a good mixture to one degree or another so that we do have guys that have been preaching for a long time, aren't in a group with all new guys or all new guys, one new guy's not in with all guys that preached for a long time. So we do our best to, to structure those small groups in a way that it is going to make it profitable for guys and them not feel like... Uh, you know, I I don't know enough, we're going to put you in a group that will really help you make that progress for the week.
0: Absolutely. So you're going to be able to find out more information at g3conference.com. You look for the G3 workshops uh, tab there at the top, and you'll be able to find out information about how to connect and how to register for this virtual workshop. Uh, in June. And so, Tom, talk to us a little bit about the remaining schedule and other opportunities to connect and some announcements that will be made over the next several weeks regarding those as well.
1: Well, uh, we still plan on having the workshop, uh, Lord willing, in uh, Arkansas, which will be in September. You can get the the exact dates for that on the website. We'll be going through the book of Titus. Now, to clarify one thing, this virtual workshop is going to be on 2 Timothy. Uh, so, th- because we uh, were, we were going to be doing Colossians, but we wanted to do something we've done before so that we can keep that quality high and not have to create something totally new. So, the Colossians workshop will be in the future here at Lindell, Lord willing. So, Titus will be in September in Little Rock. You and I will be doing that together, Lord willing, Josh. And uh, then in California in November, uh, we will be doing a workshop there on Second Corinthians with Mike and I'll tell you, if you want to go, one of the things we should all be doing is going and listening to good expositors. Uh, Josh Weiss is a great expositor to listen to. Mike Riccardi is a great expositor. And if you say, who's Mike? Go listen to him. You go listen to him, you're going to want to be at the workshop. uh, And that'll be in November.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're grateful for your involvement in these workshops. Look forward to engaging. I look forward to engaging myself uh, in Arkansas as well, Lord willing. And then if you're interested in finding out more information about G3 Ministries, uh, again, the conferences that we do, or engaging specifically with these workshops, maybe you're listening to this conversation and and you want to tell your pastor about these workshops— Again, you can find out more information at g3conference.com. And again, thank you for joining us for this conversation today on the G3 podcast. It is our goal to to, to be an encouragement to you, and it is also our ultimate goal that you would be an encouragement to your local church for the glory of God. So until next time, may God bless you. This workshop here... Uh, breaks it down and helps you see it with fresh eyes in ways that maybe we didn't see it before. And it's true in me. Uh, I cannot look at the scriptures the same now after attending this workshop. I see things totally different.
1: I'm Tom Buck, director of the G3 Expository Workshops, and I have some exciting news to share with you. We launched our first workshop in Atlanta in January, and it was a great success equipping men to faithfully handle God's Word as you just heard. Nearly 100 men gathered in Atlanta at the G3 conference to study 2 Timothy. We had six hours of lessons learning the tools for biblical exegesis, along with six hours in small groups working together to apply those skills in an in-depth study of 2 Timothy. This year, our plan was to launch four regional workshops, and we are still planning on having our fall workshops in Little Rock and California. However, as you are aware of the situation with COVID-19, we continue to closely monitor the changing landscape. This has led to an alteration in our Lindell workshop that was scheduled for early June. But it's resulting in an exciting opportunity that you will not want to miss. Our plan is to have a virtual workshop via Zoom where Vodi Bacham and I will be live with you leading through a study of 2 Timothy. Now there are three good reasons you'll want to join us for this incredible opportunity. First, we will have the same six hours of instruction that we would have had at the in-person workshop, including Vody's lecture on expository apologetics. Second, we will also have the same six hours of small group time, where you will have a qualified leader to work together to apply those exegetical skills in the book of 2 Timothy. Third, the cost of this virtual workshop will only be $30. If you participate, you will receive a $25 credit towards any of our 2020-21 in-person workshops. In addition, you will also receive a free book from our sponsor, PNR Publishing. It's an incredible deal. We promise this virtual workshop will be led with the same level of excellence that you would get in an in-person workshop. And we are designing this virtual workshop to be flexible with your busy time schedule as a pastor during this challenging season. We believe your experience will be a tremendous blessing. It will equip you to preach 2 Timothy and will give you a taste for an in-person workshop that can only be an even greater blessing. I would like for a few more men who have been a part of a workshop to share with you how the G3 expository workshops helped equip them.
2: I've chosen to get involved with these expository workshops because I've seen the value. Originally, it was really based on um, my trust and friendship with Tom and my understanding of uh, his commitment in this area, his passion in this area. Hearing about their vision um, really was enough for me to get on board, but then seeing the impact Um, was something that really convinced me uh, even more. I'm I'm really excited about participating. I've been a pastor now for 25 years,
1: and uh, it's very easy for us to simply fall into a routine in sermon prep and not spend the time that we really should in exegesis and really determining what the passage says. It's easy just to fall back on you know, we've, we preach every Sunday, week after week. And for me, this was a great reminder of the work that I should be doing so that I can say that I'm accurately handling the Word of Truth.
2: Oh, without a question, I found the small groups to be the most beneficial part. Just the opportunity to not just work through a text, but to think through how to stru- look at the structure of the passage what a theme in the passage is, what the aim is, how those come together to form a central proposition in the text. Uh, that was a new experience for me. It's not something I do in my own sermon prep. So it was good to kind of learn that process and to have an experienced guide to walk you through it. Pastors are isolated people. You know, most people don't think about that because pastors deal with people all the time. You think that it's, you know, this highly social uh, job in a highly social environment. And that's true to a certain extent, but on a personal level and professional level, it's really not. So it's very important for pastors to have an opportunity to engage with and interact with others um, who, who do what they do, who understand what they do, and who are committed to helping them be better.
1: Even if you think that you have a handle on expository teaching, there is still something that you can learn. And there are other men that have immersed themselves in this and been committed to verse by verse teaching of the scriptures that have something to teach you. I would highly recommend this workshop. I invite you to join us for this exciting workshop in June. Space will be limited to 100 men. You can get more information and register at the G3 Ministries website. I look forward to you joining us and remember as the pulpit goes, so goes the church.